Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Here's why you should tune into today's show. Grayscale is exploring options for its flagship Bitcoin product. We're going to discuss the future of Bitcoin ETFs live with Valkyrie Investment CEO Leah Wald. Plus, we're going to dive into the products over at Valkyrie. But before we begin, a quick word from our co-founder, Milton. If you've been having trouble figuring out what the heck to get people for Christmas, Milton has an idea. Get them a Real Vision membership. You can do it by heading over to realvision.com forward slash gift guide. With that said, let's jump into the latest price action. We're seeing a rather muted start to the week. Bitcoin has stabilized under 17,000. We saw a sharp increase to as much as 18,200 last week, but the buying was unfortunately short-lived. BTC is down 2% on a trailing seven-day basis. Meanwhile, Ethereum is up slightly. It's currently trading at below 1,200. Uh, it's, it's down some 5% for the past week. Both Bitcoin and ETH have hit around 75 75% less from their all-time highs. So it's definitely a you know really 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 brutal market. Um, but with that said, let's bring in our guest now. Leah Wald is the CEO of Valkyrie Investments. Welcome to Real Vision, Leah. Thanks so much for having me, Marco. How are you doing today? Good. It's almost That's, the holidays. It's almost it's, the holidays. Yeah, <laughs> for I mean, sure. I'm, I'm hoping for some bullish price action right now, but at least, you know, the weather's still warm here in Nashville and, uh, you know, life is still good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I'm hoping for the same thing, you know, just and then waiting for just waiting for the, the end of the year to get to New Year's and kind of move on from there. Well, before we start talking about like stories and events, I really I, I'd love to if you for the viewers who don't know you, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and Valkyrie. What inspired you to start an investment firm around digital assets? What makes Valkyrie Valkyrie? Wow. I've definitely never been asked the question, what makes Valkyrie Valkyrie? So that's uh, that's a fun one. I appreciate it. Um, so a little bit about my background, world banker by trade, really started my career there, uh, then worked for an activist investing hedge fund specialized in Japanese equities and LBO strategies. Um, I then transitioned really back to development, which is definitely where you know uh, uh, my heart really lies, and started a tech company uh, called Veterati, co-founded it. So it's a mentorship platform that connects unemployed veterans to mentors in service of job placement, uh, and that's still running today. Uh, and that was that was fantastic. Uh, I still love working with uh, the Veterans and Digital Asset Network. Um, and then after that, I went straight into Bitcoin asset management full time with the former Tyler Jenks, uh, who is also a big fan of Real Vision. Um, so Tyler and I ran Lucid Investment Strategies, and that was specialized in GPTC investing, actually as an RIA for discretionary accounts, uh, and kept uh, up with Lucid. That's where we, um, you know, co-authored the book Hyperwave Theory. He was a technical analyst in. Uh, in the crypto ecosystem, and that's really when you know we joined kind of the the Bitcoin ecosystem full time. So that was in 2016. Um, I then closed down Lucid uh, on the back of Tyler, unfortunately passing away. But fortuitously met my co-founder now, Stephen McClure, and we then co-founded Valkyrie. 
Uh, so Valkyrie was actually launched on the premise of going to market with a GBTC uh, like competitor, a Bitcoin trust that traded at NAV for platforms, specifically for institutions. Um, and we did go to market with that Bitcoin trust and have since also launched other products. So to date, we have SMAs and that's, you know, specifically slotted for the RAs and intermediary market. We have hedge funds, we have ETFs, and we have a series of grantor trusts. Oh, amazing, amazing. Well, I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned uh, GBTC there, and we actually just have some some story related to GBTC. Um, it's from Grayscale Investments is one of the several companies, obviously, that have tried to launch this spot uh, or the spot Bitcoin exchange traded at uh, ETF. Last week, we saw like in a reply brief uh, from a lawsuit that Grayscale tried to force the SEC's hand uh, from for approval. The SEC is double, doubling down on that rejection to reject the spot Bitcoin ETF. They're reiterating that same stance, right? That uh, that spot uh, Bitcoin ETFs are not permissible, but futures-based ETFs are permissible because they're monitored by the CME, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Um, and then today, you had the on the Wall Street Journal, the, they were reporting that the Grayscale CEO Michael Sonnenstein says that the, if the company fails to turn GPTC into ETF, it might put forward a tender offer for 20% of the shares, which is a way to return uh, the capital back to the investors. I'm curious where you think we are in this journey of getting spot Bitcoin ETF approval. How has this rejection impacted the overall landscape uh, for investing in Bitcoin and other digital assets so far? Yeah, so we threw our hat in the ring for a Bitcoin spot ETF application, uh, actually January of 2021. So it was right after VanEck, so quite early uh, for all the other issuers throwing their hat in the ring. So we've been in there for a while speaking with the SEC staff. I'm actually bullish in light of all the issues around FTX and what's happening now. Um, I think that it provides a little more fire for the regulators to actually get this approved. And moreover, I think that they now have a playbook of what is needed in order to get to the markets to a place that makes them feel more comfortable with approving such a product. So this whole uh, environment actually is making us feel more positive that we're gonna get there. However, if we bring it back to uh, what you had originally mentioned, which is Grayscale and GBTC being able to convert into an ETF, we don't believe at Valkyrie that's possible. There is no precedent of converting a listed uh, grantor trust into an ETF. There's a lot of issues around that in regards to Reg M. Uh, they would have to uh, actually delist. Uh, that's a 19B4 process to then convert. Um, so there is no precedent. And um, obviously, uh, suing the SEC is is not a uh, great path, I believe, in order to be in their best graces, in order to have a uh, conversion that has, again, never been done before. Um, so that's right. Uh, Chairman Gensler was very explicit in what he wanted and what he wanted to see, which is why we applied for the, the Valkyrie uh, Bitcoin Futures ETF. Uh, when we did, Chairman Gensler said, I want to see Bitcoin futures from the CME in a 40-act wrapper. And he was completely explicit. And that is what he approved and in fairly short order, actually. So in regards to the Bitcoin spot ETF, among a lot of the other issues that we know uh, the SEC has had concerns around market manipulation, market integrity and surveillance, et cetera, the main one that uh, Chairman Gensler has actually been explicit about that not that many people talk about is that he has asked for an exchange to come under the, under the purview of the SEC and none have. So it's also an interesting light of an exchange now being under the limelight, knowing exactly, again, 
what those issues were on an egregious scale so that, you know, I do think that they know what to do now to get the SEC comfortable for the exchanges in order to then get that approval process running. So I'm actually feeling, you know, pretty confident and optimistic that it'll be sooner than we originally thought. Yeah, optimistic. I mean, that's that's a really interesting, you know, take. And I think that's a it's it's kind of it's good to have, you know, optimism. It's good to see optimism because, you know, when I when I've spoken to other experts like yourself, you know, many felt that, you know, if if the regulation didn't come or if the, this kind of thing doesn't get a, approval, that we can fall behind other jurisdictions in the world. Uh, what how important is it for the U.S. to be a leader in this space when it comes to this? That's an interesting question, and I think also based on what is a leader. Um, you know, if we're talking about just who's most regulatory forward, then uh, obviously the U.S. is lagging in that order. Um, I was more recently living in Singapore, and they are very regulatory forward. And I was living there when DBS started custodying uh, a lot of spot products. You could buy Bitcoin and other coins directly through that bank. And now in the United States, we do also have very similar type of structures that I think is monumental. I think some of the biggest news this year was actually the integration of Coinbase into Aladdin, which was mm. you know, massive, uh, massive news. So that's BlackRock's Aladdin, formerly BlackRock Solution, and ability to buy spot. Obviously, Fidelity also has that capability. So I think beyond just a uh, regulated vehicle from the SEC, we actually have seen extreme advances that are very important, notable, and will be able to provide that, I believe, impetus to showing the SEC that uh, these products in the spot market can actually be run well through institutions that we can trust. Um, you know, Bank of New York Mellon is an investor in Valkyrie, and they recently launched their custody product for Bitcoin. NASDAQ has also come out with the news that they have a Bitcoin custody product that they're coming to market with. So I think that as more of the institutions come to market with institutional grade products it's going to get you know washington dc more comfortable as they create those rules and regulations they'll probably be firmer um, but that's not always a bad thing so in regards to your question uh bitcoin spot etf and the fact that we're behind brazil and canada and etns in europe uh, we absolutely are but i do think the advances this year have been so promising that we will get there well, stepping away from uh, the Bitcoin future or Bitcoin uh, spot ETFs, let's talk about a Bitcoin futures. You have a BTF, which is a Bitcoin futures uh, based ETF, a Bitcoin strategy ETF. And you also have the Bitcoin miners ETF. Explain a little bit for the viewers who may not know what those products are, what they are, kind of what they do and, uh, and, and, and kind of why you're focusing on them. Right. Absolutely. So for the Bitcoin futures ETF, that is to provide exposure to Bitcoin in the form of futures in an ETF wrapper. That is the closest that we have to the holy grail of a spot Bitcoin ETF at the moment. Um, but it actually has been tracking well and, and performing well in regards to correlating to the underlying price. So getting that exposure, again, it's very important for that ETF wrapper to exist for a lot of sovereigns and pensions, insurance, RAs, and other uh, providers that need that wrapper structure are comfortable with that wrapper. Um, as for uh, WGMI, which uh, those in the crypto space understand the meme, we're all going to make it. Make it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit of fun. Uh, so, right, so that was a Bitcoin miners ETF with a green lens. At one point, it was 84% renewable energy. Uh, so, that was therefore exposure to the 
uh, Bitcoin mining sec uh, sector of the market, specifically those that are making advances in the renewable uh, sector and with their sustainability grid and matrix. Um, that has been hit hard, obviously, uh, just due to the market environment, but we do think it's a very interesting uh, ETF and interesting product. Uh, Bitcoin miners have proven to outperform the price of Bitcoin in bull markets and so underperform Bitcoin in bear markets. But if we are here to stay, uh, us as Bitcoin hodlers or speculators or investors, uh, we do think that it's just a generally a very interesting product for exposure to that sector. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you say that um, there was previously a green lens, like, are you what? I mean, are, have you changed the process for like evaluating, selecting investments for that for that uh, ETF? Or, I mean, what's what's the process there that you guys are using? Yeah, unfortunately, due to compliance on that oh. question, I'm not able to answer too much. Um, but given the environment right now and what has happened to certain miners uh, in the industry, uh, we did have to consider parameters. Ah, understood. Understood. Well, I, I also want to ask about in with in relation to the Bitcoin miners, right? There's a lot of you know analysts and people that have been speaking about like a risk of uh, miner capitulation. We had uh, the Financial Times recently report that uh, hedge funds are shorting a lot of uh, Bitcoin miners, including Marathon Digital, Greenage, among other uh, you know Bitcoin miners in the space. I, what do you, what's your take on that? Is that is that concern valid? Is there is there any type of uh, I mean, I guess, what, what, would you, what would you say is your take on that? I think generally there's a lot of concerns for the mining industry uh, and publicly listed miners. They are, for the most part, very much small cap um, and are susceptible. Uh, there was the opportunity and optimism around consolidation and what M&A can do uh, for the industry now and moving forward. There's obviously very powerful private mining companies as well operating in the U.S. Uh, who are very liquid. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities there. However, uh, the mining sector has definitely taken a hit. Um, and there have been some unfortunate management um, processes uh, that have proven to not uh, manage their balance sheets very well. So there's a lot of miners that uh, are unstable at the moment that we're watching very closely but, you know, hopefully this can just consolidate, get stronger. And when the market reverses, you know, we'll see a healthier sector. But right now, definitely, there's a lot of concerns around that capitulation, the shorting, and a lot of other factors generally, especially as regulation starts to get figured out in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah. The regulation, I think, is a big component. And obviously, they're not... You know the the margins are are smaller because Bitcoin is down. So I mean it, it makes sense. So hopefully do we do see a resurgence there? And and I do think if we see a resurgence, then maybe there's some you know positive news for miners uh, being able to survive through this uh, this tough market. 
Well, uh, I want to turn to a, another story that we're covering uh, that we that we spoke about earlier off, uh, uh, you know, before we had the call about S SBF and extradition. So uh, we reported last week that former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried is contesting his proposed extradition to the U.S. The extradition hearing was scheduled for February 8th, but now, according to multiple multiple reports, he's changed his mind. He's set to appear in court hearing uh, in the Bahamas today. This FTX saga, Elia, has just had so many twists and turns. I mean, you, people can, you know, probably say that it started all with the Luna collapse. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's terrible. Uh, I know that's not directly answering your question, but just, uh, you know, the one that's just sticking with me every day is finding out more and more retail uh, people who have been harmed in this saga. Uh, it's not just institutions. It's not just big money. It is uh, you and me and people who are new to crypto. And um, it's just it's just very sad to see. Obviously, he has some very serious charges against him, criminal charges against him. So it will be interesting what also comes to light during uh, the process. Obviously, a lot was told during the testimony, but I think that there's even more to come. Um, you're absolutely right. It, it's been a saga. And um, when did it start? Which was the first domino to fall? And what are the next dominoes to come? Some are saying DCG. Uh, there's a lot of speculation out there. And it is definitely concerning uh, in regards to the price, although the price has actually held up uh, in a wonderfully boring way uh, during the past you know, few weeks, which is very interesting uh, to me and our research team. Um, so I guess we'll see in the in the long term, it's good that bad actors are shaken out of the system. That's obviously what's happened cyclically throughout history in, in traditional financial markets, but also crypto is just the same during the ICO bubble, of course. Um, so it, you know, we'll see what happens on this. I'm we're following it closely like everybody else is. I just hope that in regards to Voyager and BlockFi and Celsius and FTX, I do hope that uh, the customers who were harmed are able to be made as whole as possible. And I, I do think that it's uh, really a tragedy. Yeah, it is a tragedy. I feel like I, it's really shaken uh, confidence in the industry. I mean, a lot of people kind of feel a certain, you know, way about it. Even, you know, when I, over Thanksgiving or dinner, all you know, when you talk to people about crypto, they're like, oh, I saw that. Because it's, you know, this story in particular is one that just really seemed to get everywhere, right? Like all the major media outlets were covering it. So it's it's definitely been been tough. Has that been your experience too, speaking to, to people or how, how's that been? Yeah, definitely different than last year's Thanksgiving, right? It's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's different conversations. Uh, luckily, Valkyrie was not exposed to any of those dominoes, not Luna, Terra, Celsius, FTX. Um, but it doesn't mean that uh, we don't know people who, who were and are and investors in Valkyrie that also were uh, exposed harmed and therefore have liquidity crunches. So uh, in regards to a Valkyrie and day-to-day -day job perspective, you know, we were definitely, um, it's, we're in a good position having not been exposed, but at the same time, talk to people all day long and especially institutions whose feet have cooled uh, based on the situation. And you're absolutely right. Those come up in the Thanksgiving conversations. Last year, it was very optimistic and Everybody wanted to learn how to buy and what platform should they buy through and what are the most exciting funds, et cetera. 
And now it very much was only SPF um, and not in positive lights. And definitely back to rhetoric that I felt was uh, maybe three years old of uh, negative perceptions of those who operate in the crypto industry and not differentiating between crypto and innovations in the cryptocurrency industry and general criminals uh, and financial fraud. Um, and I think that that's very unfortunate. I think that we've definitely taken a step back. Hopefully next Thanksgiving is different again as the lawsuit rolls out, but uh, you're absolutely right. It was, it was a different Thanksgiving conversation, especially since it was only weeks afterwards. When you say that uh, institutions' feats are cooling, I mean, do you think there's going to be a pause uh, in investments in this sector over the next year, or uh, what do you see with, with that happening? Yeah, I don't actually think that long. I do believe, and we have seen, that institutions are still moving forward on crafting their strategy. So mm -hmm. if we say that bear markets are for builders, institutions are not the same from what we've, uh, are, are exactly the same from what we've seen, that they're still trying to figure out their strategy so that when the bull market comes back and their customers keep asking them again, they know exactly what path to take. In regards to demand for inflow that in, and seeing inflows into funds, I do believe that we're seeing a cooling right now, but it also is the holidays. And as we know, traditional finance often goes on uh, their holiday break a little late, longer than the rest of us. So it'll be interesting to see later Q1 if that demand has picked back up. I am bullish for next year to see a reversal. So I do think if we're talking about Q3, Q4, we're looking at a different type of industry and, uh, and type of market. But I do think for the next potentially we're, we're looking at some. Hey, everyone. We're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are, um, you know, also looking at what the Fed's going to do with their fight for inflation. So, you know, I do think that that is um, something to keep an eye on. I want to move on to our, our next story here. So the uh, this one's uh, Sherrod Brown, a Democratic senator who leads the banking committee. He said the U.S. regulators should maybe consider banning crypto. Uh, he did concede this would be very difficult and would likely see a crypto move onshore. Leah, he's not the only U.S. lawmaker making taking a tough stance on crypto, right? We saw recently we heard Senator Elizabeth Warren introduce a bill that would impose strict regulations. What what are your thoughts on that? On on those on the, what the senators are doing? Yeah, I do think regulations are coming down the pike, and I do think that that it's actually going to be positive for the industry. Until mm -hmm. we do have regulations, we're not going to see the type of adoption that is possible in the United States just due to uh, investor protections that are necessary for these products to be approved and therefore the larger money managers and institutional allocators to actually then even buy them. So will the regulators get the uh, regulations correct uh, or correctly? Um, I guess that's to be determined. I do think that there's some very smart folks in DC and other advocacy groups that 
are assisting on the education side. I do also believe that there will be bespoke regulations. And I do believe that there is a net positive uh, of SBF and these recent um, crippling situations in order to provide that exact playbook that needs to happen. So is this a concerning headline? It is a concerning headline, of course. And I think that we all need to follow it. Um, however, I do think when the regulations do come down the pike, it, it will be a net positive for the industry as a whole and greater adoption in the U.S. So with a net positive and greater adoption, I guess the question is, uh, how would you envision the future growth and direction of Valkyrie Investments with if that happening? Yeah. The future growth of Valkyrie Investments, that's exciting. Um, so in regards to regulation, of course, we would like to see the Bitcoin spot ETF approved. Uh, we are still excited about our application and speaking with the staff. I think that that will be very important. Even though there's easier ways to buy spot at the moment, we still have been hearing that there's a desire for active managers. So the SMA uh, products and platforms, those obviously are very interesting. Um, we do think that again, as larger institutions become more comfortable with the asset class, there will see a boom. I, I you know, in the end of the day, I, I love this technology. I think that it is absolutely brilliant and beautiful. And I do think investors are very interested and have been, uh, but obviously have risk parameters that they need to abide by. So uh, I do think that as, uh, if I see the future of Valkyrie, um, that we would be able to service these types of products and you know, that we would be the, the most powerful asset manager doing so. Uh, we're launching um, a hedge fund now that's taking an activist position in GBTC um, because we do want to see change and we want to see uh, the right type of products available to investors, uh, both retail and institutional alike. And we want to ensure that those are, you know, high quality, transparent, democratic, and priced at the right level. So, you know, I think that the, the future is bright for all of us in the industry if we, in the most boring of ways, remain as compliant as possible, do risk management, and remain adults in the room. And I do think that uh, that does depend on having both traditional finance experience and knowing those controls and pairing it with uh, more crypto native traders that understand the nuances of the industry. But those controls come from traditional finance and they have to come all the way through. Yeah. So we're we're getting close on time and I wanted to, um, you know, put some viewer questions on here. Uh, here's one from a Ralph um, from our on our platform. Why have we not seen an ETH futures ETF being that the CME currently has an ETH futures product? Is that something you can answer, Leah? Um, I'd love to answer it, but I, I don't know. I think that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Marco, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I mean, it, in turn, I mean, perhaps it has to do with people thinking that, um, I mean, Chair Gensler has previously said that, that he believes, you know, Bitcoin is a commodity and maybe other, you know, you know, ETH is, could be, or, or every other, all the other tokens could be securities. I mean, perhaps that could be some of the thinking that is taking place with, with some of these people that, you know, putting it out. But I, I also, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know either. Um, another question question from Ralph. He said, uh, have you considered a Bitcoin closed and interval fund? If so, why have no fund sponsors formed a fund with the structure being that it would allow a spot fund without a discount premium to NAV? So that one sounds a little bit more technically complex. Uh, maybe it's something that, um, that, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, and my team has extensive experience with closed end funds and interval funds, actually. Uh, my co-founder comes from Guggenheim. Actually, a lot of the team comes from Guggenheim and manage closed end funds. 
I think that that's an interesting question and uh, a good question. I would say that for the most part, it's just based on demand. And maybe my question back to you, Rolf, is if you think that there's enough demand to break even on the cost of launching an ETF for that specific product, then I think that, you know, I would love to have a conversation. Uh, but the question is just how much differentiation would the public see in that product from a Bitcoin futures ETF, which again, um, you know, is, is performing well. And I, I guess that's, that's really the question you have. Um, a lot of competitor products in certain ways, GBTC could likely be seen as a competitor to uh, VanEck, Valkyrie, and ProShares Bitcoin Futures ETF or buying spot. So um, that is a sophisticated structure that you're talking about that I think is a very smart structure. But um, yeah, and if you think it's a good product, please email me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I want to move on to the last segment of our show, which is the takeaways. But before that, I want to remind our viewers to subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, hit the notification bell, like the the video. It's very important to us. So, you know, it was a really interesting conversation with you today, Leah. I think the biggest takeaway for me is that you're optimistic. Uh, you're optimistic that regulation, that despite everything that's happened this year, it's been a tough year, that regulation is coming and that regulation is good for the industry. W what takeaways would you leave with our viewers? Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Um, I am really optimistic. I do see a lot of very smart people and great, strong companies are still building. Um, I do think that as long as we keep building during this market in the right way, that it only makes the future brighter and stronger. Uh, I know that sounds kind of lame maybe, uh, but I am optimistic about that. Um, and that being paired with Washington, D.C., uh, coming out with regulations that are positive. I think that uh, in regards to other takeaways, the GBTC news is very big. Um, there's, you know, uh, been a real um, upset by shareholders for a very long time about how GBTC was structured and managed. Um, and there's issues with the sponsor uh, and also the PR structure around waiting to convert into an ETF. Um, obviously, the management fee and, and other things around GBTC are uh, what we believe is unfair to the shareholders and not allowing for Reg M. Um, so I think that that's definitely a news story to watch. Uh, obviously, the Genesis news has been limelight. Um, there's a lot of concerns around the contagion from Genesis and DCG is the parent co. So um, keep eyes on DCG and GBTC and uh, what may come from other activist investors in the space that want to see uh, better structures that really are, are the appropriate structures for investors. Great takeaways. Well, Leah, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, before I let you go, where can viewers keep up with you and Valkyrie Investments uh, and, and, and just in general, like what you guys are doing? Sure. Thanks so much, Marco. Um, our website, ValkyrieInvest.com. I am on Twitter like everybody else in crypto. Uh, Leah Wald and my DMs are open. Um, and you can find our email across our website. So thanks so much for having me, Marco. Awesome, Leah. Well, that's it for today's show, everybody. If you're not a subscriber yet, don't forget to subscribe. Real Vision Crypto is free. For those of you watching on YouTube, again, remember to subscribe, hit that notification bell so you know when we go live. Join us again tomorrow. We're going to hear from Wendy O. See you at noon Eastern, 5 p.m. London, live on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing.